This is Charge Tech Podcast, episode 46. I'm your host, Owen. And I'm your co-host, John. We're going to look at tech under the hood. How are you, John? I'm hibiscus. Hi, I'm, I am hibiscus. It me. Hi, hibiscus. Hi, uh, I, hibiscus. Hi, uh, hibiscus. I'm good. It's uh, Friday at 11.51 a.m. Um, and I spent the morning on the phone with UL. Do you know about, do you know UL? Wow. What is that? They are a organization that is responsible for standards. So UL.com. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talking about smart cities and IOT and stuff like that. So that was interesting. Uh, And the weather, the weather here is, uh, it's like this morning I woke up. And there was condensation on my windows. It's so humid outside. And my air conditioning's on. That was the, that wow. That was the craziest part. Like my air conditioning is on and there's condensation on my windows. That's not right. How hot is it? It's pretty hot, but it's more like I'm I feel like I'm in in the Amazon. Like yesterday, you just like go outside and you're just like instantly wet with sweat. It was it's really, really humid here right now. Insane. Yeah. Wow. It's really hot here too, dude. Like it's been 32 degrees all week. It's too hot for me. Yeah. We don't have air conditioning. There was for (laughs) sure a day um, last week or this week, like I think it was Tuesday this week. I was outside and I was like, man, I forgot it gets this hot. But like it was really hot. Really, really hot. It's global warming. What's up with you? Not much, just chilling out. I just got back from Slovenia, the country that I did not know anything about that I visited. <laughs> Why'd you go? It was it was awesome. Why did we go? Vacation. We hired a camper van and we just drove around. It was awesome. We had no plans, so we just drove and it was it's an incredible country. It takes maybe three hours to drive across. And it's awesome. Like there's mountains, there's like beaches, kind of similar to those Italian kind of beaches. Then you can drive to, uh, uh, what's that warm country that begins with C? Oh my God, I forgot the name. Cyprus. Uh, it's gone. I've Cyprus? I don't know. I should know this. No, not Cyprus. It's like right below it. I've completely, like literally had a blank. My geography is really bad. Anyway, awesome place. Beautiful, really cheap. You should go. If you want like a mountain chill beach holiday, it's really cool. Yeah. So that, and it was, but it's 37 degrees there. It's 30, Too hot. it's 37 degrees there. Yes. Oh. I thought Slovenia was going to be a cold mountain country. I was not prepared for 37 degrees. Well, yeah, that's really hot. Yeah, it's it's too much. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're sitting you're sitting in the caravan or you go on a hike and you're just like I can't I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It wasn't it was but it was it was beautiful. Um I highly like if anybody ever considers going there it is just oh the country that's near it is Croatia, so that gives you some context. It's a lot. It's really south. It's like right next to Italy. So yeah, how it's really it, hot? Yeah, Croatia. What did I say? Cyprus. How you said the heck, Cyprus. How would it be Cyprus? That's in Egypt. <laughs> nice try. Hey. Um, okay, you're on you're on um, our podcast. So some weeks we do this thing where we call someone in my dress book 
and then we ask them a question um and then they have like a minute to or so to reply um okay. and so you get the uh, I, don't I, know if the I don't know if it's the honor or the or the whatever the opposite the privilege of that, the opposite of that is to be on this week so first you have to say who you are and how you know me and then i'll ask you the question okay so I'm Julie Hsu, um, CEO at Stay. So I work with John, and uh, we're building a company together. Oh, excellent! And before that, you worked with me at DigitalOcean, and then before that, you were in banking, right? Yep. Okay. So we are about to go into a section, probably talking a little bit about crypto- cryptocurrencies <laughs> and Ethereum. And so my question to you is: What do you think? the most interesting opportunity or potential opportunity or like weird thing about cryptocurrency and blockchain (laughs) exists right now that is underexplored or not being looked at or like would be a fun thing to experiment with. What would be a fun thing to experiment with in the application of the technology? No, just in like the whole fact that it exists. Like I've heard you talk about weird like market stuff before and like, your conversations with Joe and stuff like that. So I think you can imagine some weird thing that doesn't exist that could exist. Sure. Well, so right now in terms of like the trading of cryptocurrency, it's all, well, first of all, the weird thing is that it's um, direct consumer to exchange trading, which is unique. Like you can't trade directly or an exchange currencies of like, um, you know, if you wanted to change U.S. dollars into pounds, you can't go to the exchange and actually do that. You need an intermediary because only essentially accredited investors can um, directly trade FX. So that's like a, a very weird thing right now that exists. The way that it could potentially um, be applied for, you know, if you think about all the other assets that are traded in markets from um, derivatives to like futures contracts to like, you know, co- you know, commodities and mm-hmm. um, real estate derivatives, like all, all of that stuff that is currently totally inaccessible to the general public. If that stuff all gets put on a mm-hmm. distributed ledger, essentially in the future, like I as a person could go and trade, you know, interest rate swaps oh, with another person. Like if I have a mortgage and I want to um, fix out the rate on my, let's say I get a adjustable rate mortgage for whatever reason, I get a better rate or whatever, but then I my view on interest rates change and I don't want to go and refinance my mortgage, I could actually potentially huh. go on to an exchange that trades derivatives or um, blockchain on interest rates and huh. hedge out my risk huh. directly with someone else who has the opposite huh. opinion. Very cool. Like all markets could be decentralized. Very cool. Okay. Good answer. Thanks. Okay. All right. I'll see you later. It's been so long since we did that. Yeah. Julie's great. She's, she's our COO at our company. Okay. The thing we need to talk about on cryptocurrency, Ethereum flash crashed this week for two reasons, because of an outage and something wrong with a, like a exchange or something. I don't really follow it. Okay, I'll tell you what happened. Well, okay, this is my interpretation, so please take it with a grain of salt. Ethereum basically, okay, it had a system problem at some exchanges, which meant that like people couldn't make trades reliably, which is a problem. 
And then um, I remember, I always forget the name of it, but the the company there's like a exchange. Uh, I'm going to Google it. The exchange behind Ethereum. The GXD oh. or GDX or something? Yeah, GDX. It's like some acronym that I always forget. GDAX. So they're the other company behind Coinbase, like the less friendly face. They had an outage, um, and apparently there was a multi-million dollar sell that went through the moment the moment that it came back. Which caused the price of Ethereum to drop to like three dollars from three hundred, and it triggered a whole like thousands of stop loss sales, which caused it to crash even further. And so it, it and was over in like three, also three had, minutes. People also had um, scripts on purchase orders too. I think so. As it was, yeah. so as it, it was it crashing, like, people were trying to sell and buy at some insane rate which made it worse. Yeah. And so I know I know people personally who lost thousands of dollars because of stop loss orders and I know people who made a lot of money because of buy orders. <laughs> so so insane. And it's all due to too much too much trading basically. So the actual outage happened because there was a significant increase in trading volume all of a sudden, which was this huge transaction that nobody knows who it was. But the fact that like people lost so much money because of it is insane. One I don't of, know. I, like, this whole thing is like this big mystery box to me. Some of my friends are now deep in... <laughs> this is so crazy. I can't believe I'm saying this shit. It's so weird. What? <laughs> Some of my friends are deep in ant shares. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, oh, but this... I've heard about that. It's like the Chinese one, right? thing makes my head boggle. Everybody's making their own cryptocurrency, John. I'm going to make Charged Co. Ico. I don't know. It's just crazy right now. I like. I can't even keep up with it anymore. Remember when there was like Dogecoin, dude? Like, I, I like a hundred percent. Like, can I don't know? It's like so hard for me to believe that this is not gonna have some inflection point sooner rather than later. Like, I can't imagine this goes on for another two years. I even it's hard for me to believe it might go on for another year this way. Like, it, it, no, it's going to crash. I mean, I don't know if it's going to crash. I like the thing is, I've been saying Bitcoin is stupid for as long as Bitcoin has been appreciating. So, like, it's really hard for me to also be like, but I think the problem is it's sort of like it, like, I don't know, this is sort of hard to explain, but like it took people a long time to like convince people who aren't savvy that this is a thing that they should do. And now, and that's like when the speculation started, right? And I feel like that was like basically in April, right? Like, but the, the, everything is like everything about Bitcoin is misjudged, in my opinion. Bitcoin is a means of transferring money to another thing, not a stored value currency. It's it's a thing. It's like an intermediary, or it becomes the thing. But it, like people are treating it like it's gold. That's what I think the actual problem is. It's not gold. It's just the thing that like lets you make transactions and have a wallet, and it's like arbitrary and stuff. Well, I don't know. so. I mean, the it's not like the U.S. dollar is backed by gold. It's just a currency. Like, it's not 
it's not like really currency is backed by GDP. Really. If you want to really think about it, like productivity, GDP, education level, like the, the, the currency is, is, is kind of just about how, I mean, and it depends on how you look at the currency too. If you look at the currency on the global scale, the currency's strength is basically how good the economy of the company country is or or what their fiscal or monetary policy right. is. But even that isn't necessarily true because you've got massive amounts of quantitative easing in Japan and massive amounts of um, misdirection and misguidance in, in China. And so like it's not it like currency is kind of weird anyway when you think about it, right? Like if you really think the about benefit currency, of Bitcoin is nobody owns it. <laughs> so I think and that and so if you actually want to look at it at that level, then you go, well, Bitcoin then is probably like, sure, a, a, a software defined currency is probably a better idea than notes and stuff at this point. Right. So absolutely. I don't. So in that sense, it's hard for me to say. That's why I think I get torn on this. I'm like, yeah, I understand the that it is a potentially better way of exchanging value between people um, and reconciling the exchange of value between people. But I, and I can even say, okay, it's not asset backed, Mm -hmm. it's GDP backed. But for me to then also say, and this is something that I'm interested in or want to invest in, I would want the regulatory environment and i think i've said this before to be more fleshed out and more understood now part of me feels like a complete dumbass for that because i look at basically if i had just bought like two thousand dollars worth of bitcoin at the beginning of the year like four letter word four letter word four letter word right like it's i'd have made yeah, a lot of money but that's like on paper anyway like no, bitcoin it's, it's is not made not it's not paper, made for that though. Because like, it's not like I could have put 2000 USD into Bitcoin at the beginning of the year, and then I could take it out today and I would have a lot more money than I did at the beginning of the year. So like, it, it like, True. it's all paper, right? I think that's actually But the it's point. all speculation. That's what Bitcoin is. It's speculation around the idea that this underlying um, exchange of value system, this distributed ledger is a better way of doing an exchange of value than today. And I, at this point would probably hazard that that will become a commonly accepted thing. And it wouldn't surprise me if in the next 10 to 15 years, well, probably even shorter term than that, maybe the five to 10 years, or maybe even less than five years, we will actually see like Julie said, markets and, and countries move to this type of way of doing things. But the problem I have with the actual currency, like the tender itself, is that they are not backed by, well, no, I, yeah, they're not nothing. backed by there's a GDP. Nothing. Well, but in a it's sense... It's backed by it, speculation. That's mm, all it's backed by, right? There's nobody other than speculation. Oh, yeah. Did you do? No, I'm yeah, thinking about know. it. You're right. I just. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Like even like even the, the banks and stuff that are backing Bitcoin are speculating. You know what I mean? Like 
Bitcoin is propped up on speculation. I 100% believe that cryptocurrency is an interesting method for transactions or value storing somehow that's outside of the currency system. But I don't think the way that it is right now is the way that it will end. Um, I don't think Bitcoin is the end. No, and I think that's like... Because when you like, we've said this before on the podcast, and like, I like the underlying technology of of like the distributed ledger system that they're using is yeah. is junk. I'm like, it's been junk mm-hmm. since since the beginning. Like, it's not doesn't help that nobody knows who made it. Like, f- at least it's junk for um, uh, uh, near term, very very rapid. Um, reconciliation of of ledger value in in like in real time it's like there's that's like saying um you know i'm gonna go down the street to sal's pizza we're gonna he's gonna make it he's (laughs) gonna make a note in my notebook i'm gonna make a note in his notebook his pizza i'm gonna go down to bagel smith three blocks three blocks down i'm gonna buy a bagel i'm gonna use the change that i got from sal but you gotta call sal's and check and like, ask him ask him notebook. if he gave gave me the change or not and that like or something like that right like it's just like that that's sort of how you can sort of think about it i mean that's a really kind of bad analogy but uh so then if you but if you just extrapolated that out and said everybody doing that all the time every day like your head would explode right that's not that's not scalable and that's effectively how a lot of of like peer-to-peer distributed non-centralized um distributed crypto ledgers work right now now if you said if you said hey smart people in the world um we've shown that people are ready to adopt a new digital uh value exchange standard a new currency system um (laughs) i don't think i don't and you put people in a room and said start from scratch and make something i don't think that they'd come up with bitcoin like i just think they'd go they'd they'd probably build something better like i think there's better ways to do this so um so i bitcoin is like if a bunch of hackers built something for hackers i i don't know i just i feel like cash only like money survives only because it's obscure right like it, it's so hard to break anyway john we have a very important topic to discuss that dun, dun, travis is gone burnt to the ground i got a sound bike oh man i don't even know like where to start Okay, what happened with Travis? Um, well, he's gone, isn't it? But like how? He okay, Travis resigned. Yeah. But it didn't seem very willing. Well, it's hard to say. It could be like part of the plan. Did you read the New York Times report of the last twelve hours? Okay, here's my no. paraphrasing of what happened. Travis was at an event to rally the troops and two investors from Benchmark Capital which is the largest investor in Uber and the earliest, I think. Track. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so the... <laughs> so the guy... So Travis was in um, Chicago. The investors flew there and ambushed him and basically gave him a letter demanding a number of things, which included his resignation. And apparently he balked at that. But then 
basically uh he called Ariana Huffington, who is like the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. investigator of like the harassment claims, who he thought would support him and told him that actually he should resign. He should do it. And so apparently within the space of like six hours or eight hours, he went from absolutely not, I will dig my heels in and rally the troops to I resign. So, so pretty dramatic turn of events. Look. I'm near done talking about Uber generally because me too. The fact From that here? the fact that so much if you go if you go on like Hacker News for two days like the last all, like half the articles are about Uber. You go on always the, the top news, five. Half the article, half the stories are about Uber. There's people dying in third world countries, and we're still talking about Uber. Like it's just it is getting really really boring. A but and. So that's just that. But also, I have to say, and I've been thinking about this a lot, because I have a startup, and I think about how I just try and have empathy for people, right? And to think about, well, what in their experiences and in their life would lead them to a situation where they were not only successful, but they were also making good decisions. And I would say that it is more common than not that people are led to success, but will make bad decisions. And I don't Mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. that those bad decisions are made because those people are inherently evil. I think that those decisions are made because those people are inherently, for lack of a better word, lost. Like they're, they haven't had the experiences or the, um, the moments in their life for um, shoes to drop and for things to dawn on them that resulted in that. So you just think that they're completely naive? Um, no, I, that's not really what I mean. Okay. What I do you mean? Like, I'm very curious. You don't know something until you've experienced it. Like, you can read all the Clayton Christensen and Patrick Lencioni and, you know, Malcolm uh, or uh, Matt, Jonathan Maxwell or whatever, like, leader type, like, here's how to run a healthy, um, good company, church, uh, you know, sports club, whatever community. Right. But there's a weird thing in society where capitalism and that are not Mm -hmm. coupled as a obligation. And so as a result, there's no morality test that is required for someone to do something. And and so i'm not i'm not justifying that what happened is um justifiable or i'm not trying to say that that he should or shouldn't be the ceo of the company i'm just saying that to say to have a little bit of hum, like humanity and say well mm-hmm. what he did do was a pretty hard and b i don't know that he 
like I can't say because I don't know him I can't say that he lived a life where he inherently learned and not read the books but went through experiences that resulted in really understanding the importance of doing things the right way and I've been as I've been building our company I've been doing things that part of me laughs at myself for doing and part of me understands is incredibly, incredibly important to the future of our business. And those things... Yeah, but it's like intentionally building a business, right? But, 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 but you, like, the thing I think that, like, what I'm saying is, like, for me to go and make 25 documents that explain to various different py- types of people that... um may exist or like do exist in our organization to explain to them how we think about the world and how we think about treating other people and then therefore how, um, what light they should make their decisions in. Right. That's in and like outside of just fundraising, dealing with our investors, dealing with everyone like, building the business like all of that other stuff to then do that as well you have i'm like i I, it's hard for me to convey how much this is true unless you are in this position or have been in this position you have to really 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 care about that to do that yeah like you have to and if you haven't so intentional yes because i've seen it fall to bits before i've lived it being a mess and like, I, that's not a like jab at anyone or anything like that, but I've been through what it's like to not set it up properly from the start. And what you get, what you get is what Travis has. And when you get, and when I'm, I know this too, because I've been in some scale of that at, at a senior position. When you get there, it's, it's very hard to, describe what it's like to have the responsibility of hundreds of people to give hundreds of people direction that they can understand and that they can execute on and also make sure that all of those hundreds of people of the tens of thousands of people you could hire are the right types of people in your organization without yourself interviewing and bringing every single person into right, the business because there's no like that. common framework right oh, like you get to this point where you well, have there nothing is, there is you have to read like you have to study business theory but for me what i realized was i went and looked at the ceos that i thought were good and i looked at the business theory that existed in the world And then I looked at which ones pointed to what types of business theory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in all instances, everyone pointed to the most difficult thing. It's just hard. You just have to care about the business. You have to care about the company. You have to care about the organizations and you have to care about the individuals. And you have to think about them all together in concert. And you have to think about that in the context of your market and your customer 
and your shareholders and your investors. It's right. not like it's, it's not like it's thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. Like it's, it's not easy. Now, now take that and apply it to 12,000 people, which is what Uber has and billions of dollars in revenue, which is what Uber has. And then you look at someone like Travis, who's doing all of that. How do you expect that he would be able to be successful? So I'm not saying that like it's good or bad or right or wrong. I'm just saying it's not surprising that it is the way that it is. And I don't hate the guy. I don't think that he's an inherently bad person. Sure, he's probably a bit of a douchey bro, but he didn't build a very good business. And that's actually the truth. But that's what that's what you're seeing in the reaction of people as well, right? Like you see this petition of almost 1,500 or 2,000 employees wanting Travis back. And I think that is actually kind of, it's kind of apparent there that it's not necessarily in his character, but the way that the business was built. And that's the thing. You build the business as a reflection of you. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I... Like, Travis had problems and he didn't even... There was no framework or anything. Well, he didn't follow one, that's for sure. But it, the, my point yeah. is, like, you really need to believe that all this extra stuff, this extra headroom, or this, like... Do you know, like... We, like, we have so many things that we do that make it so much harder for us to do every single day, but we do them because we know that in two or three years, if we're successful, it will, the amount of difficulty in later as a result of not doing these things today is undescribably like exponentially greater than any of the difficulty that or overhead that we have in doing things the right way today and like that's just actually the truth and so like when people say you either have it or you don't have it to build a startup or whatever it it what i think they're really saying is you're either gonna like do it, do it. Like you're going to do it the right way and you're going to do it and you're going to set it up and therefore you will be successful for a long time because you chose to do it the right way. Or, you know, you're going to be a Zenefits or a Theranos or an Uber or something like that. Where And that, and that second thing is a relatively newer idea than, than like I would say 25 years ago, 30 years ago, where, you know, quarter over quarter sustained profits and like stability in your business was the number one thing that you were looking but it's forward like, to. IPO. It comes back to intent, right? Right. I think like there was a, a, the way that Uber was built was with, I think utter disregard for like that way it was built necessarily, but more about like scale fast. And there was no intent about the way that it treated employees. No, I don't think it was intentional. Yeah, that's right. I don't think it was intentionally put together. Like, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but, but that's what I mean, right? Like there was no intent, which meant that it happened this way. So Apple is a great company because it's elegantly put together. Like, I think I said this, everything like, Apple does is intentional. It's everything from like, from like every single thing. Like that's kind of the point. Right? I've recently like, heard about their hiring process and it's insane the amount of steps you have to go through but, but every single one tries to under undercover your own intent when you're coming in who who like you go look at apple there are, it's very rare like 
most Apple employees have been there for a long time, right? And like, there aren't tons of leaks out of Apple. Like there probably should, like, I imagine that people who have worked at Apple for 25 years, who frankly, I have, pro- I've never met any of those people. I have never once, I've like, I've no, worked busy with doing one guy job. who's worked at Apple when I worked at my planet or, well, anyway, uh, I have done some contract work with Apple before. And the guy that I worked with, uh, had been there for like 10 years. He was the most content dude in the world. Like he had a good salary, he drove his Prius home, he looked, watched, went to his kid's soccer, he had a nice house, and he got to work on cool products every day. He lived a very nice, peaceful, restful, usual, like happy life. And he's been doing it for a long time and he'll be able to do it for a long time moving forward, right? Like, but that's only true because Apple was very well put together. It was intentionally put together. All aspects of it were thought about. It was created systematically and therefore it operates and it operates with a system that allows it to continue to um, be what it is over periods of time, which it require an inherent evolution too. And so like that, that's amazing. That's why it's a great company. That's why it continues to exist. And like, that's true for very many companies. Probably if you go look at the fortune and find like Walmart's operations are absolutely beautifully put together, beautifully. From the way that the store mm-hmm. managers hire P and L to like they their build beautiful tech too, wonderfully put together business, right? Like really well thought about. And so, when you say, "Well, why is it that Zenefits fell apart, or why is it that Theranos fell apart, or why is it that Uber fell apart?" It's because you have CEOs who are singularly focused on one thing, and as a CEO, you have to be singularly focused on many things but only those many things and you have to be focused on unfolding them all together in concert in orchestra as sort of like a conductor that's what doing the top of the company is about like that's why you like and it's it's seems like you're just sitting in meetings all day but that is a hundred percent like not what's actually going on if it's being done right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like when you have these people who are like founder CEOs who are also are really focused on either product or really focused on growth or really focused on revenue, that's where things start to fall apart. And in, and in but reality, that's like a whole different thing, right? Like that's like growing the bottom line versus really intentionally growing your company. But right, exactly. And so if, if growing the bottom line, right. If growing the bottom, like, the actual point is bottom line should be a focus, right? Like I know that we but that's have, like, but I don't run bottom line. I have someone to run right. bottom line for me and it's right. their focus. Right. right. And I focus on making sure they're focused. Right. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I'm focused on the fact that we need marketing, but I don't focus on marketing. I focus on making sure that marketing is functioning and that it's like in harmony with the, all of those other parts of the business right but if but i as a ceo would be really 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 failing if i was thinking or working on any particular part of the business deeply like my job should never be that because i'm not qualified to work and you should be extricable in any situation as well absolutely like with travis gone there's a big question of like how does like uber doesn't have a number two 
there's nobody that was being groomed or anything. They have to look externally. I would say anyone who works at Stay could probably run Stay. Like, if right. that became their Which job. Which is a good way to intentionally build your business. So, I like... But I think didn't my plan whole, for this. <laughs> my whole point is, like, like, the Waymo stuff, the sexual harassment stuff, all that stuff is as a result of being... Is likely a result of being singularly focused on something. I don't know what it is that... Probably having to fundraise every six months, (laughs) but yeah, I I, I hear you. I think it's I think it's their extreme focus on growth. Like this is all they've been staring down the barrel of is how can we grow faster, bigger, stronger in less time. I I think that's what they've been doing. So I would I've been I like know one very senior person at Uber really well. he was um, my old CEO's executive coach, and I also worked with him on, and now he's very, very senior at Uber. He is a absolutely, like, to his core, um, driven, 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 A-type, entrepreneurial, I have to prove everyone wrong. I am the smartest person in the world. I am the most intelligent person in the world. I will tell you what I think. I like I I I I I I I I I I I I I person I've like met. He really is that through and through, which was actually really important for us at one point because he drove a message really, really hard. My understanding is that everyone at the top of Uber, that's like he, Travis has hired those types of people through and through. And so you do end up like, I think probably the team at the top of Uber is really, really good, like really driven. Oh, for sure. They can hire top of market, right? But when I even, but when you look at all of the organizations that those people came from and the types of things that they've done in the past, none of the cultures in any, in many of those businesses were particularly good. And even, I will not get into the details, but the, the person that I know really well, like I know how damaged um, some cultural stuff that that person was involved in but that's um, that's like, like going back to that silicon valley thing right yeah, like it's a monoculture these people are coming from damaged organizations as it is and they're bringing their like freaking baggage with them it's incredible and like uber has no process for dealing with that but you can even you can even it's like so blatant as to say well why did the waymo thing happen oh it's insane right uh, but like, why why but, did that happen but that's why did it happen? But that's because of the, their disregard for regulation. Well, but that's like their like, that's attitude is point. if we don't get caught, it doesn't matter. Right. So who did they who did they hire? Right. Anthony hired. I think by that's Travis. Travis. No, exactly. That's my point. Right. But look at those two people. Right. And and in the context of what I just said, like go when you read about Anthony and when you think about Anthony, he is one of those people. Ballsy, exactly. driven, risk tolerant. Um you know, self. They're hiring for, people who push the envelope in every single area, ethically or otherwise. They just they don't give a shit. That's right. They just drive the business very, very hard. And you can't drive a business like you. You're actually like that's the wrong way to sort of do it. Like you it's should. like it's like 
intentionally breaking the law until later. Like, it's just like the attitude is very like for now we're let's just keep doing what we're doing until somebody does something about it. Right. And now somebody's done something about it and they're cleaning house basically. I don't know. It's crazy. There's a whole lot more to it that we could talk about and I think we should, but maybe in a future episode, I mean, there's the whole, um, the sexual harassment report, which came out this week. They hired 40, uh, sorry, they fired 40 people as a result even though they claimed there was no issue in the first place. The Waymo thing where um, Lewandowski basically admitted to having the discs and asking Travis what to do with them. I don't know if it's going to end anytime soon. I What I'm most curious about is how does it go from here? I read a, you know, there's a, the Harvard Law Review website. I read, mm-hmm. I read something on there today that was basically like, burn over to the ground, it can't be salvaged. Mm-mm. Can it come back from this? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a company, it's huge. I don't think it's going to fail. No, it just it can, needs work. It can come back from this. I mean, if you said, okay, John, it you're, needs the, work. you're the CEO of Uber. Yeah, like, no, I like. I think, yeah, you could recover that They're company. They're hiring grown-ups now. That company, like, <laughs> but it would require a few things. Like, first and foremost, a lot, like, a lot of people and a lot of divisions and a lot it needs of a big would be rudder. gone. Yeah, they'd be gone. I mean, I, like, first thing you do is bring it from 1,200 to 2,000, right? Second thing you do is close all of your markets except your most profitable ones. You stop and all you pull out of every single market. It doesn't matter if Lyft gets a head start, right? And then, and then you start thinking about, okay, we have all this, we have this revenue, we have this capital in the bank, we have this understanding of what the markets are doing. And we just took 3.5 billion from Saudi Arabia. Like when are we like, yeah. And then you get all the business understood what's going on today and like how it's going to operate into the future. When you're going to run out of money, where all your lines are, figure out where your levers that you can pull are. And then you just execute forward. And like, it's not that Mm -hmm. hard, but it's the same. Like if they hired Marissa, she would have to do what she didn't do at Yahoo, but kind of wanted yeah, to. Right. Like she would have had like, to take a samurai sword to the, to the company. Yeah. Like take a samurai sword, chop it in half, and then basically yeah, and do the hard thing. Yeah. But at Yahoo, she was hamstrung by all the other stuff. It's yeah. It's insane. We have we have one other large company we need to talk about today, John, and we're we're pushing. We're pushing. Amazon. Our favorite. I feel like we talk about Amazon a lot at the moment. They acquired a very large company. Very large company. They now are in the supermarket business. Did they actually? Okay, first did question. That, clo- that didn't close though, did it? Pardon me. Oh, it did actually buy it. Yeah. Well, no, it's not closed. They uh, acquired Whole Foods for thirteen point five billion dollars, uh, pending uh, approval or whatever. I mean, it's it's going to close, right? Like, there's no question about that. I guess so. I don't know. Presume it would. Seems like a good deal. So Amazon's in the brick and mortar game. What do you think? I think it's, I I mean, it's genius. Everybody's reacting like, oh, why would Amazon get into the real world? But you have to think about this. 60% of people in the US right now have an Amazon Prime account. There are a lot more people that they can reach. Whole Foods isn't necessarily representative of like the real America, I would say, like 
<laughs> it's, a, it's a very small percent of a percent, but they, they get new customers with that. And the other thing they get is a whole distribution model that goes to the next level. They they just got, what, how many stores? I read somewhere it's like 400 stores. It's almost 400, yeah. Yeah, they just got, they got 400 stores that if you shop there and you happen to have a Prime subscription, you get 10% off. You can pick up your stuff while you're there. You can like, if you shop at the Amazon Prime store, you can get free videos. There's a whole ecosystem they just won, right? Like they're literally building a software service that overflows into the real world. And like this, to me, it, ma- it makes total sense. Does it make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Do you think that they'll put the Amazon... um Go store concept thing and all the Whole Foods. So, if you have an I think Amazon so. Prime I think it'll, I think it'll roll out. I think I think they'll use Whole Foods as a test bed for it. I don't think you'll see the entire model roll out, but I think you'll see like the checkout list kind of thing hit really fast. I think eventually. I, I think it'll be really phased. You already see with the the Go stores that they're having issues, but I think. Whole Foods will become a test bed for it. Those kind of the people that shop at Whole Foods are tolerant of that, and they're looking for stuff that saves them time. I, I mean, think Amazon using doing this is genius. If, yeah, they're like, this is the thing with tech right now is like anything where it's not very good right now is going to get very good in the future. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that, on this. Yeah, I don't mean that even on like a normal um, like innovation curve. I mean, like, if everything's backed by neural networks and neural networks just need training and get better over time, like, the neural network just needs to see you in the store 700 times, the same way Siri just needs right. to talk to you 700 times. And, it, and then it knows that you've got Amazon. Like, that's it's, all it needs to learn. Like, it, it's so iterative over time. At some point, like, it'll get so good at recognizing that you came to the store and you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, so it applies the discounts automatically. Like, that's... All it needs to do is the first step of that, and it gets better and better and better. Well, I'd imagine eventually you just can't shop there with an Amazon Prime account. Yeah, of course. Like the doors won't open. Well, you just because it's all it'll all be <laughs> the there. Camera be, doesn't recognize you. Well, it's yeah, like, rah, just, rah. But I mean, there won't be a checkout. So, like, the only way yeah, to right. pay for something there is to have an Amazon Prime account and go. I put, ab- pick it I off absolutely one hundred percent agree that I think eventually it will become so exclusive that you you have to be an Amazon Prime member to shop there. 100% agree. And then I think the next step is like, then they have, they have local, they just bought 400 local distribution centers, right? I mean, they bought 400 distribution centers in all of the major, um, major exactly. cities in the U S. And if you think about, if you read triumph of the city at Glazer's book and you look at the shift in socioeconomics of America, all those cities are just getting denser and more complex and, and better. And so I don't see any reason why, uh, why they over the next ten years can't roll out robo delivery and drone delivery oh, and like for sure. Yeah, like, and they also they I mean the other thing they got as part of this is they also a, just they got a test bed for their products. Mm-hmm. I mean Amazon has all of these white label products and it's one thing to A B test them in your web shop, but it's another thing to test your cheap cables or your cheap Amazon diapers imagine in a real Amazon. shop. Imagine Amazon buys Uber. That would be basically the greatest acquisition of all time. Okay. You joke, but Amazon tried to buy Slack this week, apparently. Well, they should buy Slack. They should buy Slack and they should buy Uber. That and is then- the most insane. Like, if there's a perfect fit, it's Amazon. We, I think we've talked about who could acquire Slack. And I don't know if we mentioned Amazon. We were like, yeah, Google is like good. 
Amazon would be the perfect fit, but it feels like they tried to pitch too cheap. Nine billion. Jeff, if you're listening to this, Stuart's a great guy. He's worth buying. I would say probably. I don't. I don't think 15, Stuart would sell for nine. Fifteen billion seems like a good price tag. Fifteen. I think fifteen is too cheap. Nah, fifteen is fifteen is reasonable. Everyone gets paid. Come WhatsApp on. sold for sixteen. What? And WhatsApp has no business model. Yeah, but they have way Facebook more users. That's a different. That's a different thing. But no, maybe it's not. All right. Okay. I say. Well, I say fifteen is fair. But sorry. I think maybe twenty. 20, come on, that's so high. Slack. By the way, by the way, at the current valuation, the, so like if Amazon has succeeded at buying Slack for $9 billion, that's $1,600 per user. Okay, top four Amazon acquisitions right now that would be the smartest things in the world. A, Slack. B, Slack. Uber. C, yes. um, Equine- Equine- Equinix. The, uh, the, um, the uh, Colo provider. And um, Sonos. Oh, okay. Can somebody just acquire Sonos though? Amazon. That would be the best. That would be the best four acquisitions. And Twilio. If, Sono- if Amazon made an Alexa with Sonos in it, it would sell like crazy. Just let 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 Sonos do its own thing, but share like hey, give them do all you your crowd secret? Yeah. Sonos is working on Alexa integration. Well, that would be my top like, five acquisitions for Amazon. If I could, if I would, could be in part charge of MA, I would do like, those. Sonos' technology is perfect. They just don't have the software chops that they need to pull it off. And I feel like Amazon or Apple are the two perfect targets for them. Oh, Apple speaker. I, I know that you like really. I will never buy that thing. That thing. Oh yeah. I, I. It literally okay, looks how like much, junk, John. How much do you want to bet? Like how much do you want to put on this? hundred hundred bucks at that that will be a one dollar bill one billion business do you want to no no do you want to bet on this what what episode is this 20 what are we betting on well what episode is this uh, 46 okay 46 yeah we've been okay. in this a while john okay episode 46 john bets owen that the quality of the sound out of the apple home speaker is going to be so good that you are going to be forced to buy it. Absolutely not. Okay, $100 says that's true. 100 $150. dinner. No, because that's t- taking too much <laughs> off the price if you just decide to like it just because <laughs> to get it for 100 bucks off. I so. like I have no interest in that speaker, none. Okay. I am going to But yeah, I'll bet you. I, so do you want to do this bet then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'll come to New York to give you the $100. When when you have to give me the hundred dollars, I can't wait for everybody to post the flying money emoji in Slack. I will eat my hat and a hibiscus. I'm so excited. I'm not excited for the HomePod. I also think it's the worst name ever. And also, AirPlay is shit. Don't care. You you want to AirPlay your phone? Okay. Not even. Not, we'll see. See you. I, look. Okay. So here's the here's the other here's the other hundred dollars. I'm buying one as soon as it comes out. So mm-hmm. if uh if if series one month bad. after owning it, I agree that it's junk. I will give but it. But you're to not you. gonna because it's Apple. No, that's not true. You'll give it to me. No, I am. I'm pretty impartial. You know that. <laughs> it's true. You are the most impartial person I know. Okay. Okay. I just everybody for listening to this. You are our arbitrators of the bet. When when does it end? December thirty first. No, because it hasn't been out. It doesn't it come out then? Oh, December thirty first. It comes out in early December. Okay, so 
the bet goes until the end of the <laughs> second quarter in okay, the next okay. year. So I'm with like you. I'm with you. Summer, end of summer, let's say August 2018. Is that next year? Yeah. August yeah. 2018. Okay. Real talk, you though. Will have Why do you think them. HomePod is coming out so late? Because they I think that they're working June. on some new protocols that we don't know about, and it's the same reason that... Um, I think they're f- fixing Siri. Yeah, well, but what was the other thing that's weirdly delayed? Isn't the other Mac weirdly delayed? IPad, uh, the iMac Pro. Yeah. Apparently, think, yeah, that doesn't even ship till January. Yeah, I think that they're working on something that's in both of those things that we don't know about yet, and it's not ready yet. Yeah, I do. I do wonder if they're undergoing an architecture change that means that they can't ship them. I mean, I think it's fine. I think Apple, I love Apple because I think that they make really good shifts to new technologies and they put a lot of effort Look at APFS. Yeah. Like Apple file system is the most insane transition. If you have time, Google it. They literally moved, what, a hundred million iPhone users to a new file system overnight without anybody noticing. Like when everybody moved from FAT32 to NTFS, I think like 40% of people probably lost all of their data. Like PC land, that would be like the worst nightmare, but overnight Apple just did it. <laughs> Apple's aren't just, they getting into T. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, okay. This is the last and thing. Detail and, yeah. This and then we have to wrap thing. up. Yeah. So this is, this is going to take 10 minutes, but the last thing is I watched, <laughs> I watched planet of the apps. I watched the first. I oh actually, God, was it okay, terrible? I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I actually bought Apple Music to watch Planet of the Apps. Well, you have to pay money to watch it? Because, well, you have, to, Apple you have to pay the Apple Music subscription. But Ugh. our friend, our mutual friend, Susan Ho, who oh, she had was dinner, on it. She, there's an episode about her startup. No way. And so she's one of my best friends. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to support her and watch her episode. Okay, so now then, I'm going to watch it. Well, so then I bought Apple Music and I watched the first episode. I'm actually not even like shitting you. It's actually pretty good. Like it's not a jerk off. Like it looked like a clone of Shark Tank with bad memes. No, it's memes. a thousand million trillion gazillion bazillion times better than Shark Tank. I literally wow. can't stand watching Shark Tank. No, this is like actually the closest thing I've ever seen to like a reality TV show about like startups sort of like it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's actually sort of some of this like there's definitely some melodrama like gary vanderchuk is definitely yeah, yeah. like and like good yeah, editing and like they definitely <laughs> like ask them to play up scenes and stuff like that like they do on like the kardashians or whatever but like it is a like i i definitely for the first 20 minutes of one ep- of the first episode i watched i was like uh but then slowly i was like i realized i was actually watching it and then by the end i was like oh that was pretty good and then I watched the next one and it was pretty good too. So I would actually say it's not a terrible show, surprisingly. And it's probably worth watching, actually. I like, please, like, write it and tell me if you think I'm insane. But it actually, I think it actually is kind of okay. And then the second thing I wanted to say is Susan Ho was in the information this Whoa. week, also, our friend Susan. You can tell why that happened. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Okay, first of all, I don't have a paid the information subscription, so it's really hard to read that article, which oh, is a real on, shame. Just, just go to Pando right now. So, 
Yeah, but it's so impactful. It's crazy. Basically, it was a, a bunch of claims about, was it benchmark capital? No, it was um, binary. Binary capital. Sorry. Not, not uh, benchmark capital. Not, ben, not benchmark. Not binary benchmark capital. binary. A yes. certain VC that works there basically is infamous for sexual advances on women in tech. And until now, nobody had spoken out about it. But for this report, like I think four to five women went on the record against this guy for the things that he'd done. It is so impactful. Like reading it, I was, I was like gut wrenched. Yeah, it was shitty. And I was like, she's such a close friend. Like I go over to their house, like her um, boyfriend is Brooke, who's been on the podcast before. One of my best friends. We've all hung out. Yeah, we've all hung out together. Like she's such a great human. And as all this was happening and she was going through all of this, like, ugh, it was so stressful. Like, I would it's go home at night. It's insane how creepy it is. Ugh, I would go home at night and just feel so bad and just be like, it's so sad that this is going on. You, you have to read it. Like, if you can't pay for the information, there's ways to read it. You can, like, click unlock links on Twitter. Like, it is is incredible how impactful it is. You can also go on pando.com. They have a... Uh, oh, yeah, of course. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. Like, it's so important that you read this. If you made it to this part of the podcast, pause it and read it. It is insane. It's a shame that it's paywalled, I have to say, given, like, how big, big of a deal it is. But the most shameful thing is that they stand behind him about it. Well, he said... So Oh, I'm sorry that my social life and my want to sleep with female founders made God. them feel uncomfortable. But Silicon uh, Valley has this like insane. It's disgusting. Fuck that guy, Justin Clapback. Yep. Sorry, buddy, but fuck you. <laughs> I think I think we can end on that note. I don't know if there's like any further we can go, John. Excellent. People should review this with a hibiscus emoji on iTunes. We're so thirsty. Go on iTunes, review it with a hibiscus emoji. You don't have to say any words. Just review it with a hibiscus emoji and five stars. Or four. Or five. (laughs) And also we like hearing from you. Somebody emailed us. Hi at chargepodcast.com. Please do it. Is that it? Yeah. Good one. I'm going to go to the office now. Okay. Until next week. Come hang out with us. Good to talk to you, John.